Nastasia Janvier, your host for Broken Conversations. Welcome to our first ever podcast. Um, so I'll give you guys a brief background about Broken Conversations. Broken Conversations is a podcast here to stimulate women, women of color specifically, about everything that they go through on a daily basis. So that encompasses everything, honestly. There's no barriers, there's no blockage, there's no nothing that's untouchable or unspeakable here in this space at this moment. Um, so today I have the phenomenal opportunity of um, hosting lovely lovely people i'm going to give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves to the people and kind of give a bit a background about what you guys do in the community um but before we do all that um i want to give you guys some insight about broken conversations and what this podcast is going to do for the community our community so broken conversations like i said before is meant to stimulate minds and um, we do this through a three-part processes awareness accessibility and accountability so awareness is this right here, the conversation that we're about to have, um, the things that need to be talked about and the things that needs to be dismantled. Accessibility is plugging in the resources where they need to be plugged in. So um, we're gonna accentuate where we need to go and how we need to do that. Um, and accountability is being agent of change, channeling our inner selves to you, our, our, use our creativity and use what is within us to do the work that we need to do in the outside environment. So stay tuned for a lot more to come, but um, let's get right into it. So Rayanna, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and take us off. Hey guys, my name is Rayanna Murray. I'm a student at Florida State University studying retail entrepreneurship. And I just want to encourage women to embrace their self and that love their natural self um, and just practice self-care. Um, I also want you guys to subscribe to my YouTube channel at That's So Ray with an E. Hey guys, my name is Jusola Jinat and I go by JJ. I'm a sophomore at Florida State University. I'm studying international affairs and communication. Um, I am a professional public speaker, and as a feminist and a motivational speaker, I want young kids to understand that no matter where they came from, what they were, they can be whoever they want to be. Um, they should not put limit into what they, they're doing because there is no limit in, in their dreams. Hi, you guys. Oh, my goodness. It's such an honor to be here. <laughs> I am just so excited about this podcast, but to give you a little insight about me, my name is Cheyenne Watts. I am from Jacksonville, Florida, 904, the Bangor where we hang them. Um, I am a sophomore here at Florida State University, majoring in international affairs with a concentration in sociology. My intention is to open up my own foster care center in developing countries to help reduce the overarching problem of poverty in the developing world. I also do motivational speaking. I am a host, um, an international businesswoman, and my mission is to help youth in different countries um, reach their goal and pursue their dreams, no matter their circumstances or their upbringing or where they come from. Oh, follow me on Instagram at the official Shy Grace. Yes. <laughs> What's good, y'all? My name is Arsene Frederick. Uh, I'm a grad student at Florida State studying master's in a grad student at Florida State uh, studying public administration. Um, and I just want to say the energy in this room is amazing. You know, there's so many creative and innovative ideas that's here today. So I would love to um, continue to have conversations about how conversations are broken. But just to get into it, um, I am a creator of the Frederick Effect, which is a brand that talks about uh, media and information and just different which is a brand that talks about uh, 
Oh, oh man, I forgot. A whole bunch of different things. <laughs> um, and what I would like for y'all to do is follow me on Instagram at Classic Arsene so you can learn more about that. And yeah, let's get into it. Okay, okay. So um, I kind of want to explain the dynamic that we have here. So we have people who are really involved in the community and then obviously females and then we have our scene who's a male so it's really interesting because broken conversations is not meant to just be for women it's specifically geared for women conversations but it's to join alliances between different genders different races and different ethnicities there's no limit into how you can join this coalition um so i just want to jump right into it cheyenne you talked about being an international businesswoman. why did you identify with that specifically Great question. Put me on the spotlight that the first person to speak. <laughs> um, international business woman, I identify myself as that because being in America, I see a lot of social problems going on and we have a lot of resources here in America, I want to say. But when I went to travel to like India and different countries or certain communities are limited to resources. So I feel like me being passionate about working with kids, I want to be that asset to um, come to these different communities and give them the resources that they need in order for them to be positive assets of change in those communities just because they are limited. Um, and international studies by itself, the subtle art of international studies by itself is just something that intrigued me since I was little and I want to travel and immerse myself in different cultures and just look at globalization to see how different countries interact with um people and how their social problems are the same as America but how do they um deal with these problems mm -hmm. okay so you accentuated the one the word international business woman why the woman behind that why not international business person business well girl is a different word a synonym a synonym for women but why did you use the word woman behind that mm. great question because I'm a woman <laughs> I'm a proud woman Okay, and I think that's exactly what we're going to talk about here. What does it mean to be a woman? What makes you identify as that? And do you identify with your womanhood first or do you identify with your race first? So when you go into your institutions or wherever you are, whatever space you are, do you say, I am a woman, I am a girl, I am a female, or do you say, I'm I'm black? What is, what's that thing that you channel first? Anybody can answer this. Um, To me... I will answer. I will answer. I will jump into it. To me, I feel like I can choose to be either one because I feel like I can choose to be black and then not choose to be a woman at the same time. I feel like I have to be both at the same time. And many times I struggle with that question because of who I am, the way I identify myself as a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, it's hard for me to portray myself in a way that society wants me to, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I'm always proud to be a woman, but a lot of time when people see me the way I dress, there's a question behind it. Um, so for me, it's really important that I put that woman behind so they, not because I, I care about what society thinks, but because they can see that I am proud to be a part of that community, if that makes sense. But I don't think in general I have to choose one or the other. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for you, it's more of whichever one is for that specific environment. Is that what you're saying? I feel like there is a lack of education. To me, I'm a very understandable person. So therefore, I look into my audience. Sometimes people just do it for the fun of it. Sometimes people just don't know. So in that case, I try to manage with what my audience is thinking. So if I see some people, maybe they just curious about why I dress a certain way, why I speak a certain way. So in that way, I have to 
make sure they understand that yes i am a woman first like before you see anything this is who i am mm. based on my audience if that makes sense but in general if i'm speaking to people like you who have that mindset of this communication i don't feel like there is a need for me to mm. choose one or the other if that makes sense i think in my regards it was a bit different for me in my perspective because when i every while growing up i didn't realize oppression was towards gender I didn't realize that mm -hmm. until I got older and when I realized, wow, boys are supposed to do this and girls are supposed to do this, when that was instilled in me, I just naturally went with the flow. And I think as a kid, you do do that. Mm -hmm. And I always identified with race first. Like I knew my race before, well, I guess I always knew my, my gender, but I was more cognizant of I am black before I was, I am a girl before mm -hmm. I am a woman. So uh, every time I was in a setting, it's, oh, I'm, I'm an African-American. I'm African-American. I never started identifying women until really I got into college and I realized, wow, girls, mm -hmm. quote unquote, are supposed to do this. Girls, quote unquote, are supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. I see, Rayanne, you, you, you can't. Yeah, I definitely agree, agree with you. But what I was mainly going to focus on was just um, how I identify in a, as a, in a PWI. Mm -hmm. um, I think... For the most part, I don't even think about the gender. It's more so I'm black, I'm black, I'm black when I'm at this PWI because everyone else around me is white and they're looking at me. They're looking at my hair. So I feel so black without even, you know, thinking that on my own. They make me feel black. Mm -hmm. I think about race before anything else. Definitely. I can definitely see that. What up, RC? Do you have any outside comment to say about that? Uh, just to add on, um, I mean, I'm not a, you know, not a woman. No, you're not. It's okay, it's okay, you know, I'm a little jealous. But, <laughs> um, um, I mean, for me, you know, I think it's just all-encompassing, you know. Uh, my dad is Haitian, my mom is African-American. Um, I am a black male, so when I walk in a space, you know, first generation college student, you about to get a, a little bit of everything, you know. It's not about to be just this one section or just this one section. I mean, historically, if we understand what it means to be African-American, we know that's relegated to one demographic. And then we understand what it means to be Haitian, you know, that's in the Caribbean. So again, as I was saying before, um, you know, I don't just come up in a space and give you a little bit, you know, it may be a little bit at a time, you know, cause it takes some time for me to get to know people mm -hmm. and for people to get to know me, but you know, I give you all of it, you know? So that's just my perspective. I like that. Yeah. I think. One other thing I would add to that perspective is when I started to identify myself, I feel like being a woman, you have to know the answers. I don't know if that makes sense. Like being a black woman in particular, you have to have all the answers ready to go because you're supposed to be the problem solver. You're supposed to be the rock, mm -hmm. the foundation. And that, get, that kind of trips me up sometimes because when I find myself in a situation where I don't know the answers, it's like, am I less of a woman because of that? Right, so I'm gonna share like one of my personal stories is um, being in an environment where I, so I was in a friend group where I didn't necessarily fit in, right? So I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing and I never like really acknowledged myself like, hey, Tazzy, is this really you? Is this really what you wanna do? But at the time it is because all the black girls are doing it, right? And I felt like outcasted because if I wasn't a black girl that was acting a certain way, I was less black or I was less of a, a girl, right? Mm. If I was, if my body was a, a certain way, which is, oh my gosh, that whole weight thing is really a big deal. Like, and it, I still struggle with it to this day. Not really reading the scales for the numbers, but reading the scale for whatever it's supposed to be. But um, 
yeah, that's something that I think that really encompasses womanhood, like you having to know all the answers. Mm -hmm. To add on to what you're just talking about, um, you said something that very um, impactful to me. You mentioned your ethnicity. And many times we talk about gender, we talk about race, but we forget about our ethnicity. Most of us have different ethnicity. But for me, I struggle more being Haitian and then being a woman before I realize that I am a black person, if that makes sense. Because I, I, I was raised in an environment where I couldn't be myself. Not because, not because they, I don't know how I can put that. Not, and I can blame my community or my people because that's the way they was raised. So when I come to Florida State University, while you mentioned all you see is your, it was your race mm -hmm. first, but to me, it was my ethnicity first. The way I speak, people, who are mm -hmm. you? Like, where are you from? Mm -hmm. Like, that became... It took me a while to embrace my accent. It took me a while to embrace who I am because sometimes people did it for fun. Sometimes people did it actually for compliments. So it mm -hmm. put me in that little bubble before I was even able to figure out who I am. Yeah. Why are you Haitian? You dress like this. Why are you Haitian? Your mama let you do this. You have tattoos. Why are you Haitian? All <laughs> this, you know what I'm saying? All this become a part of my identity where I had to hide a part of me to please society before I can accept my womanhood, before I can accept why mm. I was really inside so I feel like all these aspects kind of make women like you and I and even male like you to to find ourselves in a place that we're not comfortable enough to have those deep conversations because we're hiding some of our values to please society mm. I think that with that when you said that it really did got me to think about different personality types because I feel like a A type A personality type will feel more comfortable with like accentuating themselves um, and bring that bringing that forth with a type B personality type, B personality type that's more quiet and more timid mm -hmm. it's kind of like they're reprimanded for not you know showing themselves and who they are and this that and the third um, which is really interesting actually. Um, but that's really cool that we, I kind of got to identify what we each identify with. Um, and I feel like a lot of the audience can identify with those things too. Um, mm -hmm. But how does that, would you guys say, help you shape um, who you guys hang around with on a daily basis? Like, do you encompass your identity with your environment or does your environment encompass your identity? That's a hard one. That is tough. Say it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you encompass your identity with your environment or does your environment encompass you? And that you can take that with culture, you can take that literally with anything. I'll jump into it. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just jump into it because this gets me so excited, guys. Um <laughs> this took me a while because I was living to please people, if that makes sense. It took me a while where I put, like I mentioned before, I put my values aside just to fit in with the crowd, just to fit in with my friends. So at first, I was doing what my, my friends was doing, my people in my environment was doing, but was that really helpful? Like, was I able to have conversation like these things that I'm passionate about? I, I, I didn't have this opportunity. Um, but when you, I take that step back and started meditating, started taking some time for myself, I feel like people come to me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really important once you distance yourself and people realize this yep. is the type of values that she's born in, this is mm-hmm. the type of person, the people you want to be around you will attract by the way you compose yourself. Yeah. Um, this took me a really long time because I was forcing myself to get to the people that I wanted to, but it wasn't my people mm-hmm. because they didn't, they didn't embrace the values that I had within mm-hmm. myself. So... This is a hard question, and that's something I think everybody is fighting with within themselves. For me, it took me a really long time, like where I'm losing friends. I thought it was a bad thing, but they're just people that didn't share the same values as me. Yeah. Um, Cheyenne, I know you have some ex- some particular experiences with different friends that you necessarily aren't close to, or you are close to. <laughs> 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 your identity kind of played a role with that or did it not at all was it you finding out who you were or finding out who your friends were what what was it with that that's a great question um i feel say it one more time you got me out far. <laughs> okay so was was you figuring out what friends were for you based off of you finding out who you were or finding out who they were um i think both if you understand what i'm saying as i begin to grow and begin to mature and get in my like career, like see what I really wanted to do. And I began to like change as an individual, like mm-hmm. in a positive way, not a bad way. I began to see that people in my life who were there, they were temporary. They weren't meant for me to, they weren't, they wasn't meant to stay permanently. Mm-hmm. They were just temporarily. And it began to show me and open my eyes to see different things and see that many people who are with you right now, maybe just there for like a season and mm-hmm. a reason everybody you may say this is your friend this is that friend but you're not supposed to trust everybody jealousy come along with that a lot of people you may not see that they envy you at the moment but they really do like mm-hmm. it's, it's just hidden agendas that hidden agendas or motives that you're not seeing you're blind to it but Soon as you start beginning to elevate, you will start seeing their true colors. So I, I feel like, like to go back to what you said, I feel like their identity and my identity, it was like both. Like as I began to grow, I began to see these people wasn't for me. Okay. So I think more to it, but it's I'm just trying to. You just trying to. Because you know, you know, <laughs> it's a really touching subject. Because right there, friends, this, this. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you can go in and I might jump back in, but that right I think um, it wasn't so much about what you were talking about, like specifically with friends, mm-hmm. but I think as you learn yourself, as you identify your values, like you were saying, as you learn about your own interests and what you like and what you look for in a person, you become the person that you want to be. I think you will naturally like attract the people that yes. that should be around you, your friends, whether it's a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Um, I think those people will naturally come towards you. And, and as you involve yourself with things that, that are geared towards your values, so involving yourself with like Caribbean Student Association or the Black Student Union, stuff like that, things that you're interested in and passionate about, you will find those people or they'll find you. Yes. People are going to find you. That's the that's the key. So stop looking for, oh, I need to have this type of friend or, oh, I wish my friends are like they're this. or come. They're going to come to Absolutely. you. The, the more that you find yourself, people will gravitate to you because they yes. see that you know yourself and that you're confident in, in yourself. And the higher you go up, mm-hmm. God only gives you the amount of oxygen for you to survive. Everybody else, they're going to be dead because they don't have the same <laughs> oxygen for you to go to the next level. That's what I mean. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting really Seriously, deep. Seriously, like... <laughs> 
I think I think that's what's so cool about the conversation we're having. Cause what are we millennials now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they be like we generation X Y Z. So right. it changes every day. Um, but just just to kind of um, oh just just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to build on that. So basically, <laughs> basically what I'm trying to get at is um you know just growing up. Just growing up, one of the one of the things that I understand, like uh, back in undergrad, I used to change my major like a billion times. So I was like a psychologist. Ooh, I feel that. Yo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I changed like a billion times. Um, I used to be a psychology major, and one of the Me things too. we were talking about was the nature versus nurture debate. Trash. So you are who you are because of your surroundings, and this is the person who you become once you yes. get older, once mm-hmm. you grow up. Um, yep. So you know, as time was going on, you know, going back to that millennial piece, we we're saying that, well, how about we, re- how about we re- redefine that? You know, how about we uh, take charge of who we are? How about we become who we aspire to be in society, but still show you that we're capable of doing everything we put our minds to? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're seeing that with a lot of different uh, political people who are running across the country. We're seeing that with a lot of different people who are um, becoming podcast-oriented people, um, people who are spreading ideas and information. And I think that's, what's, that's why it's so important to have more conversations and more dialogue about this because you know, there's this idea about being a traditional or traditionalist to where these people are in the positions, right? Yeah. And if we're coming in saying that we want to redefine, they're going to say no. So mm-hmm. it's important that we have that dialogue and we build connections and we network so we can um, open up opportunities for yes. individuals mm-hmm. who want to do things like this and mm-hmm. have these type of conversations. So let's say, hey, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. I think that I like that you touched upon nature versus nurture because I feel like that really embeds a lot in a person, mm-hmm. especially with um, the household that you grow up yes. in. Yeah. So personally, I didn't grow up with a, mom, a mother figure in my life. It was um, it was different women playing that role, but it was never really consistent. So I feel like that impeded on my growth process in identifying who I was, who is Nastasia, who is this Haitian American. Like it, it impeded on that process. So with that being said, I feel as though, yeah, um, warranted, you, you, you can dismantle um, the environments that you grow up in, that's not an excuse for you to, you know, settle for where you're at. But I think that honestly it does play a, an effect and in a role in a person's life where they kind of use that as the excuse for them to be the way they are. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. and it's, it's hard saying, be different, do you. But it's like, how do I even start doing that if this is the environment that I'm in? Right. So how do we even get out of those comfort zones where we're able to channel who we are? Like, how do you find out who you are if you're surrounded by things that you don't like? Like, mm-hmm. one thing I w- I'm going to say about this, you really mentioned that you did not have some figures in your life that was consistent. Yeah. I feel like that's the type of conversation that we need to have, and that's going to be your action plan now. You realize what didn't work for you and how it took you so long to figure out who you were as a person, as a human being, and I feel like it's our job now to say, you know what, what type of mentorship program that I can do to yes, hold, yes. to make sure I am accountable for these people, yes. to make sure that if yes. I have, and I feel like the problem of this generation is that we competing with each other. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like if I know something, I'm just going to hold it to myself and I'm not going to let you know about it. Once I get up there, you will see me and I won't help you. So once you live your life like this, you're going to leave little kids, little children and the same, they're going to have the same domino effect because they don't have somebody that's going to help them throughout the process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So 
Like sorry, Taz, I'm, I'm getting very, I'm getting very excited. I'm getting, I'm getting very excited about this. Look at how Taz is doing something very powerful That's and very insane. deep. And each and every one of us has something different to bring to the table. Yeah. Imagine how powerful this can be to bring that to a high school, to bring that to a middle mm. school, to show young kids, you know what? You can do this. There go what, how yes. I started. There go how you can do it when you're in high school. There go how you can finish it while you're in college. There go my process. Step by step, imagine the difference we can make to make that happen. Instead of competing, why not create that, that path? Just embolish yes. it for the next generation to come to make it easy on us. So with that being said, is it our job to make sure we go back and change the things that we yes. do. Is it our job? Oh, wait, or am I am I am I living my life to make sure that I'm okay and I'm happy? Is it like if I'm a person warranted, like that's your passion, but everybody's not like that. What if I just want to make sure that I get to a place where I'm comfortable? Is it my job to go back and tell the person who's I, uncomfortable and my and that was in my shoes? You know, this is how you should do it. I feel like it is our job to go is. back, but it is it's not my it's not my job to force somebody it's to so, get yeah, the information that I'm giving. Yeah. If so, I give it to you, you don't receive it, then that's not my problem. We did our job but before. if I get the opportunity and I create yeah. that space for you, mm -hmm. I give it to you, it's in your hand. I had a lot of mentors and I had a lot of friends my age who had a lot of mentors, but they did not use that opportunity mm -hmm. the way that I use it. Therefore, I'm, in a, I'm at a different Advantage. advantage because mm -hmm. I took the, I took the opportunity that they provided for me in a different level. Therefore, they had the same opportunity, opportunity like me, but, they but I use I yeah I utilize yeah. it <laughs> and find my way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and find my way and they give me the tool. I feel like our job is and to give them that tool. Yeah. And whatever they decide to do with that tool is them. And excuses are tools of incompetence used to build monuments of nothing. Amen. Amen. Everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a story. It's up to you to utilize wow. that story to impact other people who's going through the same situation. If not, you're going to be stuck in the same position you Ooh. was 5,000 years ago. So I'm somebody got to get up and make the move. If you're yeah. not going to make the move, somebody going to move. For you, baby. Look at Oprah, look at Tyler Perry, yes. look at Haddish, look at Kevin Hart. All these people went through a situation in their life, but they did not use that to sit and cry and drown. Me. They yeah. used that to motivate them to inspire other people in life. Absolutely. <laughs> to have a certain amount of minority students and this is so a lot of times we have conversations about this and it's not something that can like really be proven it's just kind of like an unspoken thing mm -hmm. if that makes sense so um and the main reason is because you know a lot of minority students come into these spaces and they're going to advisors they're going to professors for graduate research and for phd research and they don't feel comfortable mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because a lot of times well i know my what my pieces is going to be about it's going to be mm -hmm. about polish brutality hey we're going to talk about it like yeah, yeah. and that's just it um and you know they just don't feel comfortable having these conversations with um, uh, predominantly white uh, faculty and staff. Um, so they're understanding as we, from a university level. Well, what's at stake is we have to meet a diversity quota, or this is going to happen. 
So when we talk about our job or our responsibility, I think, you know, it may differ from person to person because a lot of people look at it like, okay, well, I don't really have anything at stake to lose here, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So me, I went to the first all-black high school um, in Fort Lauderdale in Broward County. So when I think about, you know, where I, how I've ascended and, like, where I come from and, like, my family going there, you know, I look at it like, okay, well, there's a lot at stake. You know, for me, uh, being involved in SGA, you know, being involved in the marching band, being involved in the step team, there's so many people who follow me on social media and so many different things to where I'm like, I got to go back. Like, they got to see my face. They I got to. You know what I'm saying? Like, crazy part about it is my been ready to, to get into it, but this dude followed me on Instagram last night. So I was just like, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta come back, bro. Like, that's just so important, like, mm -hmm. because it just is. That's just it. So like, if you don't, are you a bad person? It depends. It depends. When you, when you think about, you know, where you came from, do you feel like you have anything at stake, like something to lose, or you're not, do you, do you personally feel like you're not paying it forward by not coming back? Because a lot of times we look at like entertainers and athletes and all of them and say, well, why are you not speaking up? Why are you not doing this? Which, you know, I believe that they should, right? But a lot of times we look at, okay, well, what's at stake? If I speak up, if I join in in this dialogue or this conversation, you know, what am I gaining or what am I losing, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. yes. So I think you to put it in the perspective of girls, of young girls, young women who are growing up um, in communities where they need this exact thing that we're talking about, um, do you think that they're placed at a disadvantage because of the fact that they don't have it at their, their foot? Does that make sense? Uh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, a bit? so because the resource is not necessarily there for them, right, like right in their face, do you think they're placed at a disadvantage? Yes, I believe so. And it's not even about the resources. You may have the resources, but if I, like me personally, I was in a school where I had a lot of mentor. It was a lot of mentors that supported me, but I never really had somebody that looked like me. Mm. So although I had those supporters, I had those people who, who saw potential in me when I didn't see in myself, something was missing. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I don't see somebody successful that look like me. Am I going to be able to make it? They show me, oh, JJ, you can do this. JJ, you can do that. But I haven't seen somebody like me pushing me, telling me that I can do it. So that kind of played a really huge role in how I wanted to live my life a little bit. Yes, I appreciate all of my mentors, but seeing somebody that looked like you, that went through what you went through, mm -hmm. actually give you that sense of motivation that, okay, if this person went through the same thing I came from, they know exactly what I've been through when they're doing it, Yes, I can. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's not even about the resources. And I feel like one, one thing that you kind of touch, ageism play a huge role in our society today. Many of us think we are too young. People are not going to listen to me. Therefore, I'm just going to say shut up. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to say quiet because nobody's going to listen to me. I'm too young. So therefore, we don't look for opportunity. A lot of us wait for opportunity to come to us because we think we're too young. Okay. But this is that generation where we said, you know what, I'm a young, but I'm going to show my face to those commission meetings. Sure I'm going to like show that. my face at the Capitol. Yeah. They're going to see my face. Yeah. I'm going to talk. I'm going to speak. Yeah. And they're going to hear me. And once they hear you, I'm seeing a lot even of politicians, they are not waiting to listen to people like us yeah. because they see how innovative that we are, how powerful our message can be. And that's one thing, my purpose and my goal is for Tazi, whatever I can do to push you to that level, 
to bring it to high schoolers, to bring it to middle schoolers, to show them, you know what, you're not too young to, to start the idea, that clothing line you wanted to do. You're not too young. You reached out to somebody. You're not too young because it comes to mind that many of us, we put in our life and it's the definition of success. It's how we determine what success means to us. A lot of us, when we think of success, we think about the moolah. And a lot of the time, the moolah is not success at all. You know what I'm saying? To me, I found my place where in my life, I look at my bank account sometimes. I don't have a dime in it. And I feel Hallelujah. like I'm the most successful person in life. I don't, I don't think people get me. When I said I'm successful, it doesn't have nothing to do with my bank account because that thing is empty. You know? But I am successful. Can you explain why, though? I think people need to hear this. Why? So I feel like me, money to me, it's a state of mind. And it took me a lot of time to realize that. A lot of people, when they, oh, I want to be successful, they're thinking about the bread. I want to make hmm. that fast money, and I'm not going to focus on the long one. I'm just going to make that fast money, and that makes you successful. And that used to be me, too. I wanted to get the nice Jordan. I wanted to look fly. You know, I'm a fly guy. You feel me? <laughs> uh, I wanted to be like that, too, and money become... Like, I wasn't working toward what I was passionate about. I was trying to get that fast money. I was trying, you know, can I get a job at Publix? Can I get this? Can I get that? That was my state of mind. Yeah. But when I started doing things that I enjoy, started speaking, I'm seeing kids asking me for my autograph. I'm like, oh my God, this make my heart melt. Seeing that at this young age, I can share my story and motivate somebody else to say, you know what, if JJ can do it, I can do it too. That makes me successful. That make me, like it make my day. And when somebody, when I can make somebody else life better by sharing yes. what I went through, by sharing, you know what, I may, I may not have food at my table right now, but I'm grinding. I'm going to study. I'm going to pass that test. I'm going to graduate college. And seeing this kid smile and say, JJ, you did it. I can do it too. That makes me successful. Like, being successful, it can be a successful day. It can be a successful moment. It, you know what I'm saying? It has so many aspects of it, but people make it so tied into the money, they forget why. Why they was in that position in the first place. And Shine, you mentioned something about everybody got a story. You yes. know what I'm saying? Every, and, and it took me a while. I used to be a victim of my story. Ooh. I'm going to be honest Ooh. with you guys. Ooh. I used to play that victim card. Yeah. Oh, I'm this poor girl from Haiti. I can't do it. <laughs> my accent is too strong. People are not going to understand me. I used to play that victim card yeah. where I was waiting for opportunity. I was blaming where I came from. I was blaming my community. I was blaming people for the things that I wasn't brave enough. I wasn't confident enough to get out of you know that's where you mentioned something too you talk about the comfort zone that's when I had to get out of my comfort zone my leadership people you know I had to get out of my comfort zone and go to the learning zone and figure out who I was and stop being a victim of my story and say you know what I may went through that one but how can I make my story become the path to my future and I feel like that's where this generation need to really focus not only what happened and how did it happen and how I can make it happen for the next generation. Mm-hmm. So that's the question that I believe that we need to focus on and, and bring it, pay it forward. That's, yeah. like, that's my passion, pay it forward and have deep conversation. I like to feel uncomfortable. If you're talking, I'm not feeling uncomfortable, you're not talking enough. Okay. That's the type of person <laughs> that I am. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. And I really like the fact that you touched upon what our idea of success is because I feel like that really hones in on the type of person that we encompass to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that 
a lot of times that has to do with your perspective career field, what you say you want to do. So you can obviously say, because we're all in, we're fortunate enough to be in an, um, a college environment, we know when we say certain career fields, every, everybody's like, oh, wow, this, yes, doctor, yes, lawyer, mm -hmm. yes. But when you say, I want to be an actor, are you mm -hmm. sure? And that, that usually plays a huge role in how somebody identifies themselves with. So mm -hmm. I want to know a little more insight on you guys, how you guys paved your way to find out what you guys want to do with your, your, your life. Um, if you don't know, speak a little bit about that because that really has a lot to do with who we are. Why you want to do the work that you want to do. So, um, so growing up, okay, my mom is Jamaican mm. and... I honestly, I feel like anybody from the Caribbean, they believe that if you're not a lawyer hmm. or a doctor or, or <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know, a lawyer or a doctor, that was my two options. Yeah. That's always what my, my mom went to my, my, anybody who went to school, oh yes, yes, you have to be a doctor. You have to study law. You have to do yes. something big. And yeah. you know, and I was never interested in that. When I was younger, I used to be like, oh yeah, I want to be a doctor. Just because my mom always instilled that in my head that you should be a doctor or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So when I finally got to college, I came in as a psych major. Um, and then I decided that I didn't want to do that. And I became exploratory. And I was exploratory for so long until I did an internship in marketing. And that's when I realized that, wow, like... I love this. Like, I love creating things. I love talking to people. I love this, you know, building this re these relationships with people, whether it's through a company or business or just for myself. I love that so much. And I think me, then that, it wasn't until I did the internship that I found that passion. For the, for the longest, I was struggling with, oh my God, I like this, but I also like this. And it was so hard for me to actually set my mind on one specific thing because I felt like I needed to be something big. And marketing isn't, a big high end, you know, it's, not, it's really nothing crazy. But for the longest, I struggled with myself because I felt like I needed to be that and not something simple and, and pa something that I'm actually passionate about. Yeah. Diane, how did you come about wanting to do everything that you said with the Foster Home internationally? Okay, so my upbringing, I'm from a divorced home. Um, my mother was in my life. My mother raised me, actually, but my father left me when I was like three. He's still in my life now, but it was still some type of feeling that I had when my mother and my father separated at a young age. Like, I see other people with their mom, like the family. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wish it was like that. Mm -hmm. So being in a divorced home, I've seen a lot of kids at my school. They had divorced, but they weren't going down the same path as me. They they used utilized their story to turn it around in like a negative way so some of them were like selling drugs oh i don't got a father mother figure like making excuses out of to why they're doing this so i felt like well i want to use my story to motivate kids not only who just come from divorced home but have upbringings like in foster care relative care because people do not know that kids are our future i know you know but i want you to know know that kids are our future <laughs> no, no 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 yeah because it just touched me to see a lot of kids go through so much as a child and they don't know that that mess with their mental state of mind. It, it messed with their stability. No mother, no father figure, no home, no bed to sleep at, in and out of jail. It's like generational curses where your, your family members going through um, drug addictions and you like, who do I turn on? You don't have nobody to look up to, nobody to turn on. So I want to be the person to let them know, do not let your current circumstances or your upbringing 
define you. Do not let that mess with your mind for you to reach where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another thing, um, coming from like my upbringing and being from Jacksonville, Florida, I know cities that's a lot to talk about, but me being from Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County, I've seen a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of gun violence. <laughs> Police brutality, kids going down the wrong path, drugs, this at an early age. Like a 10-year-old boy, what are you doing toting with a gun? What, why, are you, why do you have a gun? And being in that and seeing that, it just motivated me more. Like I used to want to be an actor, but then I started hosting different events. I said, oh, I like, you know, being a host. But I just, and my, my personality by itself draw a lot of people to me. So I want to use that in a positive way. Like my personality by itself, I could set a room. So... I, that's why I found like my passion just working with kids helping them because this kids right like right here to the day that's struggling and need somebody need a helping hand but I'm just here to tell them do not like do not be fooled by your current situation just trust the process don't rush the process everybody has a story just just be patient just be patient and another thing a lot of people like dang she made it before me it's no comparison between the sun they shine when it's their time to shine. So just because you're not shining right now does not mean nothing. It does not mean nothing. Just trust the process and just yeah. keep moving. You got it. Yeah. You up next. I want to touch. It. I want to touch on something that you said. It's kind of like it's going off topic a little bit, but you said that people growing up around like you know like drug abuse, drug addiction, stuff like that, um, gun violence, all the, like all the stuff, domestic violence, all of that. I feel like growing up in that. And only being surrounded by that, that's all you know. You don't you're not thinking about college. You're not thinking about like, oh yeah, I can I can grow up, I can have a family, I can get married. You're not thinking about like a career, you're not thinking about all those things. You all you see is is my brother went to jail or my mom's addicted to drugs. That's so I feel in those communities it's so easy for young people to get stuck because they think that that's it. But you grow up, you sell drugs. You get a, a job at McDonald's. That's it. But, you don't see. But you let, don't see the bigger picture. But living yeah, in society, yeah. But but I feel like living in society, living in society, you should know from right from wrong. You know your brother mm-hmm. keep going to jail back to back for mm-hmm. drugs, and he about to have ten years. He mm-hmm. doing fraud. You should wake up and say, <laughs> Oh, I, I I need to make a change. Like I understand mm-hmm. that. I understand like. You're confined. This is all you see. But somebody mm-hmm. has to wake up. You have to break the generation curses. Because if not, your mother, your father, your children, children, your auntie, your yeah. uncle, it's going to keep going. Somebody got to break it. If not, it's going to keep going. Listen, <laughs> listen. Like that. And it's funny because a lot of people, I think specifically with women, what we do is um, we identify, well, we use sex um, to link um, the worth, the worthiness of a woman, right? Um, and I think that that plays with their identity as a whole because um, once you as- accumulate a certain amount of bodies, you're less worthy, you're less of a woman, you're less of whatever. Um, so that, with that being said, that I like when I was growing up, I saw that a lot in my community. This is middle school where um, sixth, seventh grade, um, like people are already like having sex and stuff. And mind you, people are at their, you're at your own pace. I'm not the person to judge at your pace, whatever. Um, But as soon as you start talking about you're devalued because of the fact that sex is tied into the identity of a woman, like Mm -hmm. that's where I started to have a problem with that because I feel like as girls, we get trapped into thinking that, 
um, sex automatically plays a role, how we interact with sex automatically plays a role with who we are. Mm-hmm. Keep your legs closed. I will, I will, I will, I will touch that. I think that's a whole different thing because I that's can go a, on and on with it yes. because I'm, I am a very sex positive person mm-hmm. and I don't think sex define who somebody is, but uh, at the same time, me personally, I feel like the way somebody compose themselves speak a lot of volume of who they are. So I feel like a lot of things that I do, my social media doesn't have to know what I'm doing. But at the same time, if one of my friends knows something or two of my friends know something, it does not devalue who I am as a woman. It does not devalue who I am as a human being. And I feel like society kind of put that negative connotation on what sex actually is to the point that mm-hmm. young women feel uncomfortable having conversation about this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then young kids started to do it just so because society make it on a way that, oh, you have to look a certain way. You have to do it at a certain age. So young women, young kids started to do things out of the ordinary because they want to match what society wants them to do. But I'm saying this is because... I'm not saying, oh, some a kids from middle school can go and have sex and do whatever they want to do. But I'm saying it's, it's because the attention is drawn with the sex talk because of how society pursue it and uh, perceive it, if that makes sense. Um, to me, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very, like, I feel like you said, like, I'm not judging nobody. You do your thing, you do your thing. You do it when you do it, you do it. And when you don't want to do it. Safely. Safe as long as you safe, but I don't think that should devalue like somebody worth or somebody val- um like who they are, the character. You that keep, shouldn't you know that shouldn't devalue who they who they are. You keep open your legs, people gonna think you a thought. <laughs> Seriously, you need it. Okay, Diana, Diana, you have something else to say. I just feel like you are a woman, okay? You should, you know, your values, your limits, set boundaries with these men because it's not, they're going to dog you out. They're going to manipulate you. They're going to try to control you. And I feel like... What if you're You see, I will, I will, I will have to disagree with that. What about if I am a woman, I can play a guy too if I want okay, to. You get what I'm saying? So I feel like the way, you, the way you... Double you, standards. The way you mentioned you are a woman. You like you have to do a certain you thing. I don't have to do it. This man can drag you around, do whatever. Sit down. He can do whatever he want to do. But when you make him look at you like you crazy. That's when... That's to me. That's when... Did y'all hear that? But to me, I feel like... I feel like that's when our values come into place. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's when who we are come into place. Like, it's not a woman conversation or a men conversation. It's about the value that mm. one person, a person, a human being. It's not about the gender in general at all. It's about the human being in general. What values, who you are, who are you attracted to, who attracted you. That's me. When I, I don't know, maybe it's because... I don't know. I, my mindset is very different. But before I see gender or before I see everything else, I see human beings and I see values. Right, right, right. And I feel like the same way a woman can, a, a guy can dog a woman out, a woman can do the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it depends on the values right. that sure. each one of us hold. That's how, about, you know, that's, but that's it, how it, does, it really doesn't play out the same. But it's just if a, a if a woman that. was to dog a man, I can dog it, you out right now. We can we can talk. I feel so, like, so, I feel so, like that's so, a conversation. So, so you say don't, don't say like, like what yeah, do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Okay, I mean okay. So 
a guy uh, cheats on a woman, right? Mm-hmm. All his friends, oh yeah, bro, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like your friends gonna clap you up because you you got two. You feel me? Right. But if a woman was to do it, oh you you would thought, oh you nasty, uh uh-uh. uh. You know, like we ha- it we have that um that reaction from society, right. like oh you're a bad person because you. Because you're going to dog somebody or, you know, you're nasty or this and that. When it's a guy, everybody hypes it up like, oh, yeah, you're the man. You know, you get what I'm saying? And that's just an example of, like, cheating or something like that. So, so at the core of it, what everyone's saying, I kind of get this kind of same theme of this, like, implicit idea of, like, like over-sexuality or over-sexualized, like, mm. extremely like, sexualized. Um, and then that makes me think back to a story of, like, my little sister. Like, when it comes to family, like... What's good? So um, you know, there's a situation to where, you know, my sister was having an issue with a teacher in her class. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, my sister, like, she's not that kind of girl. How old is so, she? She's uh she's fourteen. Okay. She's fourteen. That's young. Which was great. I wanna mention something real quick. You know, being an older brother, she went from twelve to fourteen and it went like boom, boom, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> It's so, crazy. it's so crazy sometimes. I see her, I'm like, look at you, Bree, and she's just like, oh, stop. But, you know, that's, that's just our relationship. Um, but the reason I, I gave that story, just to add context, so she's having a problem with her teacher because, you know, um, it's not a uniform school, so a lot of students are able to wear whatever they want to wear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these days we wear, like, fitted clothes, but mm-hmm. not, like, extremely fitted. So she had on, like, this little jumpsuit. She played basketball. Um, you know, she she's thick, as we say. Um, <laughs> she's thick. Um, so she's in school, in class, and the teacher had a problem with what she had on. So then my mom was, like, calling me, and, like, you know, we were going back and forth. She was like, do you see something wrong when she got on? So I'm thinking to myself, like, no. But, what, what like, what are they saying? So they're saying that, um, students can't wear this, 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 this. This is a student code of conduct. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Student code of conduct, policy, all these things. So I think back to when I was in high school, as I said, I was involved in like, student government. So a lot of times what I would see is girls on the thicker end, right? They are like getting, um, hey, you can't wear that. Hey, you can't get the same policy, same um, standards. You can't wear it, you can't wear that. But then girls on like the skinnier end, mm-hmm. like, okay, um, you know, you it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like the same conversation mm-hmm. that's being, um, being had so i already had this like background knowledge like where this was coming from so that's why i was saying to my mom okay what are they saying so then we finally like okay well we're gonna pull up to the school because i need to talk to the teacher like i don't know who you think you are talking to my sister like this and just saying oh you need to leave the class you need to go to the principal's office i'm mm-hmm. like okay what is going on this is the first week of school yeah so i'm like you know what i'm gonna come in respectful professional and get a clear and thorough understanding mm-hmm. so i get to the principal's office and she's explaining bylaws x y and z understandable so then me and my mom pull out some pictures um, of some girls who are her friends. We got, we got permission to take pictures of her. And they were just like in the same exact attire. It wow. was girls of like different shapes, different sizes. And I'm just asking the principal, okay, so if this is the code or this is the policy, why isn't it enforced to all the girls or mm-hmm. all, all the students of the school? You know what I'm saying? Why? And then more importantly, in this class, my, my sister was saying she had the teacher twice she is consistently the one that's being pointed out. Mm-hmm. So why is it just mm-hmm. her? You know what I'm saying? If this is the policy. Mm-hmm. So then it makes me think um, to, a, to a broader kind of, bring it to a broader point of there's this uh, lady on Instagram, a uh, super black girl. So I think about like her dancers, right? Um, and how Miami culture, software culture is very um, in your face. 
it's very just like boom, boom, pop. Like, it, hey, it, it's that. Um, and so in a world of dance, in order to do all these movements, cartwheels, tricks, you have to wear things that are like more fit tighting, yeah. you know, more shorter. Mm. And I'm kind of speaking from like, I am a family striker. So I'm speaking from like a dance company experience and understanding that knowledge. So, you know, she's, she's becoming like popular over social media and all these things. And everyone's like raving over it. You know, very creative. This is some good stuff. But these are black girls. But more importantly, what, what they're doing is gyrating and performing inappropriately. Mm -hmm. But in the same token, we would see like white girls and we would see like Hispanic girls from like Dance Moms. Do y'all watch Dance Moms? Mm -hmm. Are y'all familiar yeah. with Dance Moms? Mm -hmm. um, or like these different shows. They're doing the same exact thing. But the same type of conversation is not being had. So across the board, there's this like implicit idea of like, as I was saying before, like, over-sexualized, especially when it comes to like a black and brown body. And we have to understand where that narrative comes from. That's like a narrative that comes from like um, uh, Jim Crow, that, that, that derives from, from slavery and, and just those different times. And we have to be better than that as a society, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to uh, black women, especially when it comes to minority women. You know, mm -hmm. we can't say, oh, well, you can't wear this. And But when it comes to this white woman, I mean, we see it across Florida State. And it's not me disrespecting the institution. It's just calling for what it is. Mm -hmm. Y'all see these, you know, Caucasian women walking across. I'm telling you, like these short pants. Cheeks out. out. But they out. always mm -hmm. out. Let it be a thick black girl. <laughs> it is a problem. It is a real problem. So, um, you know, that just kind of brings me back to um, the original point that you made mm -hmm. that we just have to be more candid in the type of conversations and the dialogue that we have surrounding this type of uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that actually is a good stepping stone because it shows you how this environment um, intrigues you to go different places Yeah. Um, because it, it, it all ties in together at the end of the day. But mm -hmm. um, we can honestly sit here and have a conversation for hours and hours, but unfortunately we cannot because... Juvera's gonna kick me out, but um, of my own house. But <laughs> um, I really want to thank you guys for sitting here and having this conversation. Thank with you. Me. Thank uh, you. Okay. Yeah, I want to thank the really audience for thank you so much. I love you. Guys, you guys are I love little. you. But um, you guys can follow these people. They're gonna save their um, Instagrams, their whatever social media, so you guys can have it. Follow these people. These people are literally inspirational. These are people that. I literally look up to in different aspects with what they do and they inspire me. Y'all don't might not know this. I'm Aww. actually saying this for the first time, but Aww. you guys actually inspire me um, to continue being me and to do the things that I Aww. do. So thank y'all. Like seriously, from the bottom of my heart, like thank you guys. Aww. Thank you being for being so authentic. Don't That's what I do. <gasps> no. <Wow. But> yes. <laughs> um, go ahead and add at yourself. Go ahead. Hi. Oh, shoot. <laughs> she ready. You're not going to go. Who going to go? Hi. Oh. Instagram. At the official Shy Grace. Okay. Facebook Cheyenne Grace Watts. Oh. Okay. Ooh. All right. Can I go now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Instagram, Rayanna Banana. R-A-E-A-N-N-A. Banana. B-A-N-A-N-A. Um, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, like I said before, at That's So Ray with an E. Ooh, hey, mm -hmm. follow me on Instagram, JJ underscore Gina, Gina, J-E-A-N-N-O-T, and Facebook, JJ, Gina, again, J-E-A-N-N-O-T on Facebook. Thank you. Wait, Dar? 
Gotta tell them how to spell it. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? All right. Um, my Instagram is classic. Uh, my first name A R S E N E. Classic R C. And then I have another Instagram. As I said before, I have a project that I'm working on. Show um, me a shoe. The my shoes. Oh yeah, with the socks. <laughs> 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 Um, but the other Instagram is the Frederick Effect. Um, so it's the F R E D E R I Q effect, and then my Twitter is A C F R E D E R I Q, and Facebook Arsenio Frederick. So you know, y'all make that happen. Y'all stay tuned for more. Comment. Um, I can do this. I can like, do the heart. Oh, the heart. Like, comment, share. I don't think you can do all that. Okay, the at is at N-A-S-T-A-S-S-I-A-J-A-N-V-I-E-R. But you guys are going to have that because it's going to be on the platform that you're looking at currently. Um, but this conversation is not going to stop. It's going to keep going. Maybe it's ongoing. It can stop. Of course, it's don't. Thank you, guys. They keep going. Thank you. See y'all